Hello, this is Brian Bullington, and I am pastor of New Song Family Church in Ventuk, Namibia. I'm so glad that you have joined us today, and it's my prayer that this podcast message will help you to grow closer to Jesus as you walk daily with Him. Yeah, we've, uh, we know about substitu- substitutionary atonement at New Song. This is substitutionary preaching going on this morning, so do pray for Brian and his suffering. Um, he did... Uh, consider me nicely and ask me on Thursday, so I've had time to put something uh, on paper, so that was very kind of him. Uh, Let's pray. Uh, Father, thank you so much this morning, uh, hearing about your faithfulness and your love and your care uh, for us. And uh, as we turn to your word, Lord, will you speak to us more about these things? reveal to us your character and your faithfulness in your word and lord help help us as well as you challenge us to respond to you uh, in faithfulness as well we ask these things in jesus name amen Uh, so uh yeah we're going to look at genesis chapter 22 this morning Uh, you may have been intrigued by the title we'll explain that as we go along we have a we have a kind of farm animal theme this morning So uh, let's have a look at Genesis 22. We'll read from uh, verses 1 up to 18. Here we go. Uh, Now the Lord was gracious. I'll read read the right chapter. It's helpful. Uh, Sometime later, God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Uh, Then God said, take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains I will tell you about. Early the next morning, Abraham got up and saddled his donkey. He took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. When he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place God had told him about. On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. He said to his servants, stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship and then we will come back to you. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac, and he himself carried the fire and the knife. As the two of them went on together, Isaac spoke up and said to his father Abraham, Father, yes, my son, Abraham replied, the fire and the wood are here, Isaac said, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son, and the two of them went on together. When they reached the place God had told him about, Abraham built an altar there and arranged the wood on it. He bought his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then he reached out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Do not lay a finger on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. Abraham looked up and there in a thicket he saw a ram caught by its horns. He went over and took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called that place, the Lord will provide. And to this day it is said, on the mountain of the Lord it will be provided. The angel of the Lord called to Abraham from heaven a second time and said, I swear by myself, declares the Lord, that because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as the sand on the seashore. 
your descendants will take possession of the cities of their enemies, and through your offspring all nations on earth will be blessed because you have obeyed me. Amen. May God bless to us that reading from his word. Um, you will know well the backstory of this chapter. Um, we are in 2022. We're about living about 2,000 years after Jesus. Uh, and Abraham was living roughly 2,000 years before Jesus. So we may think that, you know, Jesus lived a long time ago, but Abraham lived as long as before Jesus as Jesus before us. I get the idea. So 4,000 years we're going back uh, in history. Um, previous to this chapter, um, Abraham has had uh, various covenants uh, spoken to him uh, by God. Uh, chapter 15 was the first one. And then in chapter 18, that famous chapter where uh, God comes to Abraham and promises him a son uh, in his old age. And uh, Sarah, of course, laughs uh, because she doesn't believe it. Uh, but Abraham believed God and it was credited to him uh, as righteousness. And so now we come to this wonderful chapter 22 uh, where this challenge comes uh, to Abraham. Uh, and I'm just picturing the scene of, of you know, his son lying on, on top of the wood on the altar. And, and the, the Bible tells us that the, the knife is in Abraham's hand, you know. And um, he knows he's got to fulfill the command of God. And, you know, I, you know, just picture the scene. Has he got the knife in his hand? Is he tapping his foot? And, you know, is he waiting for God to say something? You know, do I really have to do this? I, I think the knife is on the way down, you know. He's ready to do this, and the knife is on the way down, and God says, stop, 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 and he has to hold his arm out and stop him. You know, amazing, an amazing picture of Abraham's willingness uh, to obey God. He, he wasn't hanging around waiting for God to stop him. I think the knife was on the way down, and God had to, had to intervene to stop Isaac being killed. And so this is one of the things we can learn from this chapter. Um, how, how far do we need to go to obey God? Uh, what could God ask us to do? How far are we willing to obey God? God could ask us some crazy things, couldn't he? And uh, in, in a sense, this chapter is giving us a picture of, of what obedience to God might actually mean. It could be very costly if we commit ourselves to obeying God. God commanded Abraham to slay his one and only son who he loved. And the knife was on the way down before God said, wait. Yeah? Wow, that's amazing. Let's have a look at Matthew chapter 10. Jesus uh, gives us a few words about obedience. Uh, it should be on the overhead as well. Matthew chapter 10, uh, 37 to 39. Equally uncompromising words from Jesus. Uh, anyone who loves his father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Anyone who loves his son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And anyone who does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. That's fairly uncompromising, isn't it? <laughs> Uh, note that it says, take up your cross and follow me, not, not get in your Mercedes and follow me. You know, there's a lot of this preaching going on in Namibia. Uh, but the Christianity is the way of the cross. Take up your cross and follow me. Be willing to sacrifice yourself. 
uh, as you obey me. Um, and so uh, how do we obey God? A, a word that I kept coming into my mind as, we were, as I was preparing this, both Old Testament and New Testament, it's wholeheartedness. That's how God wants us to obey him. He wants us to obey him wholeheartedly. Not 50-50. Half-heartedly half is 50-50, isn't it? That's half and half. Uh, not 60-40. Not, uh, not even 90-10. What about 99-1? No. God, God is looking for people who will be wholehearted. That's 100% that's obedient uh, to him. He's looking for wholehearted obedience, whatever that means, whatever that looks like uh, for us. Um, I've got a couple of extra verses to add. They're not on the overhead. Uh, sorry, guys. I couldn't prepare for everything. But a couple of verses on wholeheartedness. Uh, this is from Jeremiah chapter 29 and verse 13. Jeremiah 29 verse 13. If you want to uh, remind yourself about this later, this is one of my favorite verses. Um, uh, God, in verse 12, God says, uh, Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. Verse 13, You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. You see? Wholeheartedness. God is willing to be found, yes. But he's, in a sense, he's only willing to be found by those who are seeking him wholeheartedly. If we're not really serious about it, God will say, Okay, forget it. <laughs> you, know, you won't find me. But we will only find the Lord when we seek him with our whole hearts. A similar verse, uh, 2 Chronicles chapter 16 and uh, verse 19. Find my way around the Bible. Here we go. 2 uh, Chronicles uh, chapter 16, uh, sorry, verse 9. Um, the Lord, well, the prophet of the Lord says this, Hananiah the seer. Uh, comes to the king and says this, uh, For the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. Here we go, wholeheartedness. The eyes, just, you know, the Lord is looking around the world. This is Sunday around the world. The churches are full around the world. And, and the Lord is checking everyone who is sitting in church this morning. And I guess for a few who aren't in church this morning. Even if you're online, he's checking. Okay. The eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. Those, those are the people whose hearts God strengthens. The people whose hearts are fully committed to him. God, God is interested in wholeheartedness and wholehearted obedience. And that's, that's uh, the lesson we can take uh, from our chapter this morning. Well, it's the first lesson we can take from the chapter this morning. That's not all. There's a second theme as well. Because in chapter 22 of Genesis, this is not just a random dad being asked to sacrifice one random son. Okay? This is a very specific dad and a very specific son. Um, if you don't know your memes, you'll, you won't know that goat is greatest of all time. But you knew that anyway, didn't you? Is, is Isaac the greatest of all time? Um, our friend Ian, who's sitting there looking a bit like a goat himself. Um, <laughs> Thank you, Ian. Stand up. Well, you'll see him later. You'll see why I did it. 
He reckons that, that Isaac is the greatest of all time. His firstborn son is called Isaac. It's his he's an Old Testament professor and he loves Isaac. So he'll tell you why. Ask him afterwards why he loves Isaac. And he'll preach for even longer than I am. At the moment. <laughs> uh, so is Isaac the greatest of all time? Uh, what's going on here? There's something more going on here than just a picture of obedience. And, and Abraham is doing more than showing us what obedience to God uh, can mean and what, what, what it may cost. The thing is, God gave a very special promise to Abraham and Sarah. Uh, through this, this miracle son, through Isaac, uh, God's covenant was going to be fulfilled. All nations were going to be blessed. Uh, through Abraham. Uh, God's actually said to Abraham at the first covenant, uh, your, your children will, will be as numerous as the stars in the sky. Wow, that's, that's, fairly, that's a fairly high number. Uh, and so what does God tell Abraham to do with this miracle son through whom the descendants will become as numerous as the stars in the sky? He says, you kill him. <laughs> God, that's a bit weird, isn't it? You know, I mean, you've given me the promise that my descendants will be like stars in the sky, and now you're telling me to kill the kid through whom they will all come. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. It's, it's, it's a test of faith. The second thing we learn is something about faith and, and our faith uh, being tested. Let's have a look at Hebrews chapter 11, uh, 17 to 19. This is, this is an amazing insight. Hebrews chapter 11 is this great chapter on faith <clears throat> and this amazing insight into what was going through Abraham's head as he was processing this command. <clears throat> it says here, by faith Abraham, when God tested him, uh, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. Uh, he who had embraced the promises was about to sacrifice his one and only son, even though God had said to him, it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. This is going through his head. Abraham reasoned that God could even raise the dead. And so in a manner of speaking, he did receive Isaac back from the dead. He was, he was willing to sacrifice this miracle son through whom the promise of God would come about because he reckoned that anyway, God could raise him back from the dead anyway. That God would have to do something amazing. But, but he went ahead and did it anyway. The knife was on the way down. <laughs> the knife was on the way down. And, and he was firmly convinced that that he should do what God was asking him to do. It didn't make sense, but he trusted God. And I think we'll find this. As we are wholeheartedly obeying God, every now and again, God will command us to do something that doesn't make sense. Yeah, go to Langstrand with 60 kids with no money. I mean, that's an amazing testimony, isn't it? That's crazy. Who would do that? Well, thank you, Hein. That was fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> that's, you know, and it doesn't make sense, but are we still going to do it? It made no sense for Abraham to kill the son through whom God's promise would come about. It made no sense. But he was going ahead and he was going to do it anyway. And so this second lesson from this chapter is about faith and our faith being tested. God will always test our faith. It doesn't matter how strong our faith is. God wants our faith in him to be stronger. Uh, he, and he will test our faith to make it stronger. Let's have a look at 1 Peter chapter 1, uh, verses 3 to 7. Uh, this, this is a normal experience for us. This is what God is doing in us. Uh, Peter says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, 
spoil or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. That's fantastic words of promise. Have you seen the double shielding there? Okay, the double keeping. Okay, verse 4. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you. God is keeping safe our heavenly treasures up there in heaven. But verse 5, we in turn are shielded. God is shielding us down here while we wait by faith. I I love that double shielding. That's a double security. Uh, God is keeping our reward in heaven for us, and he's keeping us for our, for our reward while we are down here. It's this double shielding, double keeping. Fantastic. But, there's always a but, isn't it? Verse 6. In all this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith, of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. However great our faith is, the Lord wants our faith to grow. He wants our trust in him to grow. And sadly, verse 6 and verse 7 show us one of the ways, one of the most effective ways that our trust grows. It's through sufferings and difficulties and oppositions and sickness and death and persecution. These these are the, the fiery things that actually refine our faith. And of course, the example is gold. Gold is valuable, but it's so valuable, uh, you, you need to take out the impurities. And by fire, gold is purified by fire. And our faith is purified by fire. And our faith is worth a whole lot more than gold. And, and, and the fire of trouble and all this stuff is, is what God will use to, to refine our faith and make it stronger. Uh, interesting, in Greek, uh, the Greek word for fire is pyro, pure. And pur- the fire, purified, the English word pure, looks exactly the same as the Greek word for fire. The two words are the same. So that the fire is for purifying our faith. And that's exactly what uh, Abraham is showing us uh, from this uh, chapter as well. He, he had so much faith in God that he was willing to do something crazy and to kill the son through whom God's promises would actually come about. Let's do something crazy today. Yes, let's obey God. (laughs) I'm not very eloquent. Uh, There's an English fantasy writer called Terry Pratchett, um, who is by no means a Christian, but fantastic with words. Uh, In one of his books uh, on on the Discworld, one of the characters, Granny Weatherwax, is, is asking or debating with a priest about the meaning of faith. I haven't put this on the overhead, by the way. <clears throat> uh, so they're having this discussion. And, and basically the, the priest says, oh, his God has appeared uh, to 3,000 people in the temple. Uh, and Granny says, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I bet that now they're arguing about what they actually saw, yes? Uh, Well, indeed, yes, said the priest. Uh, There are many opinions. Uh, Right, right, says Granny. That's people for you. Now, if I'd seen him really there, really alive, it would be in me like a fever. If I thought that there was some God who really did care two hoots about people, who watched them like a father and cared for them like a mother, 
Well, you wouldn't catch me saying things like, there are two sides to every question, and we must respect other people's opinions. You wouldn't find me just being generally nice in the hope that it would all turn out right in the end. Not if that flame was burning in me like an unforgiving sword. And I did say burning, Mr. Oates, the name of the priest, because that's what it would be. You say that you people don't burn folk and sacrifice people anymore, but that's what true faith would mean, you see. Sacrificing your own life, one day at a time, to the flame, declaring the truth of it, working for it, breathing the soul of it. That's religion. Anything else is just, is just being nice and a way of keeping in touch with the neighbours. That's brilliant. Written by a non-Christian, but that, you know, that's him writing about what real faith is. That's real faith, isn't it? <laughs> Terry Pratt's one of these guys. He knew a lot about Christianity. He just didn't believe it. Yeah, it's not knowing about God that saves you. It's knowing God, isn't it? Here we go. Okay, that's the second lesson. So we've learned about obedience from Abraham. Extreme obedience. Uh, we've learned about having our faith tested and passing the test of faith. Um, but that's not all. We come back to our question, uh, is Isaac the goat? Uh, and of course he's not. The goat is put in the place of Isaac. Uh, the Lord provides uh, for the way out. Uh, both in verse 8, where Abraham says God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering. Um, Abraham doesn't want to spill the beans just yet, but he's, he's, looking, he's looking to God to be the, 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 the source, the provision. Uh, and then uh, afterwards, uh, as we saw uh, in, verse, uh, in verse 13 and 14, uh, uh, as Abraham looks up, uh, have, having had Isaac uh, saved at the last minute, uh, he sees the goat there and, and the, the goat is sacrificed uh, in the place of, of Isaac. Um, so what's going on here, of course, is just a picture of Easter. It's just a, a picture of what God will do uh, at Easter time. Um, the, 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 ra the ram dies instead of the son, instead of the, instead of the human being. And that's exactly what Jesus uh, has done for us. But before we get there, Isaac himself is actually a picture of Christ. Did you notice? <clears throat> Um, <clears throat> sorry, in this chapter, Isaac's described as boy in English, uh, and as uh, Ian being the uh, Hebrew expert was reminding me that uh, the Hebrew word <clears throat> actually covers anything from, say, primary age up to a young man who's ready to serve in the army. Okay, it's a very wide range of ages. <clears throat> so when we think of Isaac, we shouldn't think of a primary school kid who's being dragged up the mountain by his dad. Okay, that's not really it. Um, if we go back to Genesis 21, uh, verse 34, the last verse before this chapter, it, it tells us that um, Abraham was uh, hanging out in Beersheba in the south, and it said, Abraham stayed in the land of the Philistines for a long time. Okay, for a long time after the birth of Isaac. And the beginning of chapter 22, it says, sometime later. God tested Abraham. So actually a significant amount of time has passed since the birth of Isaac and it's highly likely that Isaac is at least a teenager. He may well be in his 20s at this point. Okay, So we, we want to get out of our minds the picture of Abraham you know, tying down his primary school kid onto the altar. 
Okay? Uh, Isaac is a grown man, I can think, you know, a young man who, who at least has to be a willing participant in the process. Do you get the idea? Okay? This is not Abraham using fatherly authority to drag his primary school kid up the side of the mountain and will, and will carry him if he doesn't want to go. Now, this, this is a young man who is walking alongside his dad, uh, at least cooperating, maybe not understanding what's coming up, but he, at, at least he's cooperating and going along with it. A picture of Jesus, Jesus praying in the Garden of Gethsemane. Take this cup from me, Lord, and yet not my will, but your will be done. Christ uh, cooperating and walking alongside the will of his father. I, Isaac is doing uh, the same thing at, at this point. Another clue, or another picture in verse uh, 6, did you notice? Uh, Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac, and he himself carried the fire and the knife. You've got a picture of this young man climbing the hill with a bundle of wood on his shoulders. Does that ring a bell, anybody? <laughs> Uh, in when, when someone was crucified, uh, the, the, the staros, the stake, the tall vertical stake, uh, would, be, would have been carried to the place of execution by the soldiers, but the one being killed would carry the, the cross piece. He would already be sort of attached to the cross piece uh, and, and would carry the cross piece on his back, which had, of course had been whipped and flagellated and all that horrible stuff. Uh, he would carry that to the, to the, up to the place of, of crucifixion at the top. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, and then uh, verse 9, it says, Abraham bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. And that's what would happen at the place of crucifixion. Uh, up there, at the top of the hill, uh, Jesus would have uh, had to lie on the ground. The cross piece would be laid on the floor. Uh, Jesus would have been... Uh, laid down on top of that and the, the two pieces of the cross joined together uh, and then he would be hammered in place with the cross flat on the ground. Uh, it was a lot easier to do it when the person on the ground. And then of course it would be set up vertically and crashed down into the, into the hole uh, placed there. And you can imagine what that would feel like when you're crashing down into the pole and you're only hanging on with your hands and knees. And, and this whole description of Isaac and the wood and the altar, it's just a picture of, of Jesus' death on the cross. And so Isaac uh, himself is actually uh, a picture of, of Jesus. But, but more than that, as we've already said, the, the provision of the ram, okay? Uh, the, Isaac is not the goat, the goat is the goat. Jesus, Jesus is the greatest of all time. He's... He's the, the sheep, the sacrificial lamb that sacrificed in our place. Jesus died, the, or the goat died so that Isaac did not have to. Jesus died so that we uh, do not have to. And, and it's God's provision. God provides the sacrifice. Abraham's words are truer than he knows. Verse 8, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, uh, my son. Uh, and, God calls, and Abraham calls this place, uh, uh, that the place that uh, the, the Lord will provi provide and on the mountain uh, of the Lord it will be provided. This, this is a, a picture of the provision of God. Uh, God cares for all our physical needs, as we've heard this morning. God cares for all our spiritual needs. Uh, we ask ourselves, what's, what's, what kind of need is it easier for God to provide? 
Is it easier for him to put bread on our table or is it easier for him to die on the cross to, to take our sins away? God does both. God does both. He looks after us materially. He looks after us in all kinds of ways. And he's, he's even willing to look after, after us spiritually, even when that costs him so much. It's, it's an incredible thing. How, how much does God love us? The, the cross is a picture of how much God loves us. He's willing to care for us so much, even as far as going to die for us. Uh, if you know C.S. Lewis and the Narnia stories, uh, I've been reading through The Magician's uh, Nephew these last uh, week or so, uh, and then I came across uh, this line. Um, it's, it's when, if you know the story, it's when Diggory brings a witch into the newly created world of Narnia. Uh, on the same day that it was created, uh, Diggory has brought uh, the, the, the witch into, into the land. Uh, and of course, um, uh, Aslan uh, has to send Diggory off on a mission uh, to, to protect the land from the witch. And Aslan actually says this to Diggory. Uh, evil will come of that evil, the bringing of the witch into the land. But it is still a long way off. And he says this, and I will see to it that the worst falls on myself. That's just amazing. Evil will come of that evil, but it's still a long way off. And I will see to it that the worst of it falls on myself. And that's exactly what Jesus uh, has done. He's allowed the worst consequences of sin and evil to fall uh, on himself. Let's have a look again at uh, first Peter chapter 1, 17 to 21. Uh, this is what the Bible says about all this. Uh, Since you call on a father who judges each person's work impartially, live out your time as foreigners here in reverent fear. For you know that it was not with perishable things, such as silver or gold, that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. He was chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for your sake. Through him you believe in God who raised him from the dead and glorified him, and so your faith and hope are in God. That's, this is the lamb that was chosen before the creation of the world. God's, God's plan of salvation was there before he created. Genesis begins, what, what does Genesis begin with, Ian? I think you, you're the Old Testament expert. Yeah. God, you know, Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, you know, God said, let there be light. You know, it, that's how we, be, we begin with the creation story. But Peter's telling about something that happened before creation. The lamb was chosen before the creation of the world. God knows everything. He knew before Genesis chapter 1 verse 1, he knew that if he created everything, that he would have to give up his son. He would have to send his son into the world. This is all before he does anything, yes? God knows the future. He knows what will happen. And so he's weighing it out. Is it worth it or not? Shall I do it or shan't I? If I do this, I'm going to have to send my son. And Genesis chapter 1 verse 1 says, yes, God takes the decision to do this. He, he creates everything knowing that he will one day have to send his son into that world to save us from our sins. Isn't that incredible? But that's, that's God's knowledge and that's God's, that's God's love. The lamb was slain or chosen before the creation of the world because God knew he would have to do this if he was going to go ahead uh, with creation. But there's more going on in this chapter. 
There's something even more than a lesson in obedience. There's something even more than uh, the test of faith. There's something even more than than just being a picture of Jesus dying on the cross. This is the fourth thing and the last thing that's going on. Did you notice uh, in uh, Genesis chapter 22, verse 2, God said, Take your son Abraham, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the region of Moriah. That's not the only place in the Bible where we hear about the region of Moriah. Let's have the big reveal. Where else do we find it? 2 Chronicles chapter 3, verse 1. Uh, oh, 2 Chronicles. Sorry. Let's have an emergency. Uh, <laughs> did I say 1 Chronicles? Yeah. Sorry. Okay. Stop that. Thank you. Um, I'll read it out for you. There's always a hitch. Uh, I'll, I'll read it. I'll read it. I'll read it. If you've got it, turn it up. Sorry. Second Chronicles. Did I do chapter one? I'm sorry. I'm an idiot. This is <laughs> so uh, what's going on in Second Chronicles chapter three, verse one, is the uh, Solomon finally builds the temple. Uh, then Solomon begins, uh, began to build the temple of the Lord in Jerusalem on Mount Moriah. Wow. So the place where Abraham sacrificed Isaac was the same place a thousand years later where Solomon builds the temple. Yeah? You get that? <laughs> so God knows everything. Uh, he knows what will happen. And he knows that one day the son who was chosen before the creation of the world will be sacrificed in the region of Moria. And so he tells Abraham to go to the same place a thousand years earlier to carry out the sacrifice of his son in the same place. Isn't that incredible? Did you know that? (laughs) Amazing. Absolutely amazing. And you ask yourself, could it even be the same hill? The, The green hill far away, outside the city wall. Could that actually be the same hill that Abraham sacrificed his son on? I mean, you think, no, it couldn't be, but, but, but why not? It could be. <laughs> it could have been the exact same hill, one separated by a thousand years. So something deep is going on here. Something really amazing is going on here. We've seen that God has a plan to send his son. Okay, knowing, having decided to create everything, he knows he will have to send his one and only son, whom he loves, into the world as a sacrifice. And, and he's going to send him into the world as a human being, as a descendant in a, in a line of, 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 of men and women down the ages. And that's the meaning of the covenant with Abraham. Okay, God chooses Abraham so that from Abraham comes a nation from which eventually will come Jesus. Okay, so here's Abraham, a thousand years later, we have Jesus. Abraham sacrifices, is willing to sacrifice his one and only son whom he loves on a mountaintop in Moria, and God is willing a thousand years later to sacrifice his one and only son whom he loves, maybe even on the same mountaintop in Moria a thousand years later. So God has already given a covenant to Abraham. He's already got this agreement in place. The, I think the question that God is, is asking himself, you know, I'm willing to give up my one and only son whom I love. What about this guy Abraham, who I've chosen? Is, is he willing? Does, does he have the same heart that I have? I'm willing to give up my one and only son whom I love. Is, is Abraham willing to do the same? 
And of course, chapter 22 tells us he is willing to do the same. Abraham shows back to God, if you like. Abraham demonstrates to God that he has the same heart and the same attitude that God himself has. Isn't that, isn't that amazing? From, and from Abraham comes Jesus. It's just an incredible picture. Let's go back to uh, Genesis 22. When the goat has been sacrificed, uh, God appears to Abraham again uh, and, and says this in verse 15. The angel of the Lord called to Abraham from heaven a second time and said, I swear by myself, declares the Lord, that because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky. And he adds something else now, and as the sand on the seashore. We know all about that in Namibia. That's a new addition to the covenant. Your descendants, excuse me, your descendants will take possession of the cities of their enemies, and through your offspring, all nations on earth will be blessed because you have obeyed me. Now that Abraham has proved to God that he has the same heart that God has, God renews the covenant and actually adds to the covenant. He, he, this is covenant 1.1. He's updated it a bit. Especially this last line, verse 16. Through your offspring, all nations on earth will be blessed. And the Hebrew is singular there. Okay, Offspring in English can be one or many, but in Hebrew it's singular. Okay, Through your offspring, Jesus all nations on, on earth will be blessed. You know, because Abraham has been willing to do this, he will become uh, the father, the great-great-great-great-grandfather of this offspring, this Jesus Christ, who will bless all nations, who, who will die for the sins of the whole world. And, he, and the angel finishes with this, because you have obeyed me. Because, because Abraham has done this, because Abraham has proved himself to have the same heart and attitude as God, then the plan of salvation can, can go ahead. And, and, and God knows that the, he didn't make a mistake. God knows he didn't make a mistake in choosing Abraham to be the ancestor of Jesus. As we read the story, I, th I think we're all amazed that Abraham was willing to sacrifice his one and only son whom he loved. But really, should we not be even more amazed that God himself was willing to do exactly the same thing for us. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you for this uh, amazing chapter. Thank you that we can learn uh, so many different things from it. We can learn about the, the nature and the cost of obedience. Uh, the fact, Lord, that you could ask us to do anything. And, and if we are wholeheartedly committed, Lord, you, you will help us obey. Uh, anything that you ask us to do. Uh, Lord, I pray for all of us this morning that you will help us become wholehearted, not 50-50, not even 90-10, not even 99-1%, not even Lord. We help us to give you everything, to hand over our whole lives to you so that we may be wholehearted in seeking you, uh, wholehearted in obeying you. And Lord, we can't do this on our own. We need your Spirit's power to help us to live like this each and every day. And so we, we, we pray for ourselves, we pray for another, Lord, one another, that uh, this morning you will help us to do this. Uh, help us to uh, grow in our faith, Lord, uh, even, 
even to the point of uh, cooperating when trouble and persecutions and sufferings come to us, Lord, because we, we know, we know from your word that uh, the gold is purified by fire and, and our faith is more precious uh, than gold. Uh, and that is often the way, Lord, that our faith in you uh, will grow. And I do want to pray, Lord, for those who are, who are going through difficult times this morning, who are suffering, uh, who are undergoing this test of faith and maybe, Lord, just wondering what on earth is going on and where is God and, and what is God doing and asking why and all these things going through their minds that go through their minds at such times. Lord, bless them and keep them and encourage them and help them and intervene in their situations, Lord, so that they may see your hand at work and that their faith in you may grow. And at the end of it, Lord, they may be able to, to echo uh, and testify the ways that you've helped them faith grow through uh, difficult circumstances. Thank you. Thank you for this picture, the pictures in this chapter of, of the death of Jesus on the cross. Uh, Isaac's uh, willing walk up that hill with the wood strapped to his back and, and even, even lying down on the altar with his, uh, seeing his father above him with a knife in the hand and maybe, maybe he's keeping his eyes open as the knife begins to descend and, and then hearing the voice of the angel telling Abraham to stop and, and, and the rustling in the bushes and the ram is found and, and the ram is sacrificed in his place. What a, what a picture of, of, of substitutionary atonement. What a, what a picture of what Christ has done for us. He, he has died in our place uh, so that uh, we may live with him. And, and thank you, Lord, for this last aspect of this chapter where, where the very same place where uh, Jesus will die on the cross a thousand years later, uh, Abraham is, is to take uh, and sacrifice his one and only son uh, whom he loves. Uh, what, a, what a, an amazing story. What an amazing picture. And, uh, and Lord, it just causes us to, to uh, well, to lose words in wonder. Uh, in what you have done for us. Thank you, Lord God, that uh, you knew what it would cost uh, once you started to create this universe, once you started to create us. And Lord, you went ahead anyway, <laughs> and, and you knew what the rescue plan was, and, and the zeal of the Lord Almighty accomplished it. Lord, we are, we are in this place uh, before you and in your presence because of what you have done for us. And we give you all the praise and glory in Jesus' name. Amen. This is Rico Veca, and I am also a pastor at New Song Family Church. I want to thank you for listening to this message today. And it is my hope that you will join us again for another New Song Family Church podcast.